comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Welcome to the DC TV Podcast, episode 19. We had a full full array of DC shows this week, all four shows, Constantine, Gotham, uh, Flash, and Arrow. And some greatly improved, I thought. <clears throat> Spoiler, Arrow. And <laughs> some maintained excellence, and uh, some, some were, were just as good as always. But And joining me this week, as always, are uh, Ronnie Raymond's personal pizza chef, Mr. Daryl Taylor of the Taylor Network of Podcasts, and Victor Zaz's personal eyebrow trimmer, Mr. Rich the Chub Toad Sheldon. Let's get right to it, guys. Let's go ahead and dive right in since we have four shows to cover. Uh, episode number 13 of Constantine, uh, Waiting for the Man. Great great old Velvet Underground song it's named after. And this is, unfortunately, the last episode of that has been shot so far, Constantine, as its fate is still in limbo. I've been hearing like mixed uh, mixed signals that uh, DC is going to make its final decision, or NBC is going to make its final decision about Constantine in May, uh, as to whether they're going to actually uh, maybe bring it back as right. a replacement series or something like that down the line. So F you, no, you don't treat this as a replacement. It, to, like, you don't leave people in limbo like that. That's true. I mean, they as we'll say, as we'll get into, they left some pretty uh, interesting plot lines dangling at the end of this. Yeah. Zen and uh, and John are called back to New Orleans by Jim Corrigan. A Satanist is uh, is luring young girls to their deaths after uh, abducting him from an uh, amusement park. Very creepy guy, um, J.D. Evermore, is the actor. Creepy is not the word for it. Yeah, it's just like uh, it's almost like this... if Dar- it's almost like if uh, William Sanderson's Daryl from uh, from New Heart had gone bad. You oh, know what I mean, he's kind of like simple, yeah. but but just you know evil and kind of. And I looked up the actor, um, J.D. Evermore, and he has been in a ton of stuff. Django Unchained, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He was in uh, Twelve Years a Slave. I mean, he's a uh, he's he was in The Walking Dead. He was part of that um, that uh, group that Daryl uh, fell in with for a while. They all said claimed, you know, the claim mm-hmm. stuff. He was right. in that group. I mean, he's been in a bunch of shows and movies. Um, definitely a familiar face. Um, but he was just incredibly creepy this episode i thought well it might comment on that creep factor i have to say 13 episodes of this show and i've enjoyed it completely and i do hope to see it continue but there's been a creepy moments or little areas where it's like oh you know they've done the suspense well the horror well and all that this entire episode had my skin crawling mm-hmm. that's how creepy this was yeah even without the creepy guy like the scene where the redheaded girl is at the uh the closed down amusement park and the other three uh, wives yeah. i guess approach her yeah because and... you don't know what they're gonna do to them like you they're looking at her and then when they show their their rings yeah around their necks 
their wedding rings. I was like, Ooh. yeah. Super. Well, yeah, I pulled the because this this is the first point where I just totally creeped. Is the one girl says, "Are you lonely?" and she says, "I snuck out of the house. Me and my mm-hmm. mama was arguing again. How come y'all are out so late?" And then when she says, he lets us do whatever we want, I was like, oh, that's right when my skin started crawling. Oh, yeah. And then oh, the, yeah. then when we're married to him, all of us, and I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So creepy. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really good uh, main story there. Anyway, Jim Corgan uh, realizes these girls have been abducted. He calls in John and Zed because he thinks there's something more to it than just regular abduction. Um, as I said, there, a new girl is being lured in by the other three sister wives. I guess you'd call them, uh, trying to be lured into the man. And interestingly enough, the character's name is just the man. He's never referred to by name in the episode. And even right. in the IMDb listing and the Wikipedia listing, he's just listed the as man. the man. You always knew there were one out there. I just uh... Right. It turns out this guy's doing Satanist uh, stuff and binding these you know spirits to him. And uh, he's got this whole thing set up. He, Zed is able to uh, psychically contact one of the men he abducts and tortures and kills. To get the uh, the address, uh, they come to the house where the man has a, you know, the girl. Uh, they're going through their wedding ceremony, quote unquote, upstairs. And Constantine finds the bodies of the three other girls and all together in a bed. And uh, together they bring the man to justice. Uh, Corgan shoots him as he runs away. That was a really cool scene too, um, with Constantine and Corgan, mm-hmm. where they had him they had him in yeah. cuffs or whatever. And, uh, he, you know, Constantine says something to him like, you know, do you really think, you know, this kind of evil is going to just go away and be locked up or whatever, something like that. And then uh, Corgan lets him run so he can shoot him down because he's just so evil. <laughs> and yeah. it makes us, you know, here's a little, you know, foreshadowing as to the spirit of vengeance, you know, you know, because we all know Jim Corgan eventually becomes a specter. Uh, yeah. So he's got that streak of vengeance in him. Mm, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And when Zed sees that, Zed sees his outline, I like how that. How they threw that in there too. Yeah, and Zed tells him cool. too that she has had uh, recurring visions of his impending death, and then he, you know, after dealing with it through the course of the episode, Corgan realizes, you know, hey, you know, everybody's going to die sometime. You know, he, he kind of deals with it pretty well. He's just <laughs> so, seeing that, yeah, seeing yeah. that specter, just that specter image was nice. I mean, yeah. just the way that they were. It was subtle, but it was uh, right, right. And then, like I said, the little vengeance thing at the end. I was like, ah, we see the seeds being sown. Um, yeah. The other the other main uh, plot line in this is that a bounty has been put out on John Constantine, presumably by the Brujera, we were led to believe at the beginning of the show. Uh, right. Pop, Papa Midnight, who's desperately trying to free the soul of his sister from damnation, uh, you know, agrees to go after John Constantine. He sends a, uh, a, a, a zombie after him that he kind of controls remotely. Mm-hmm. Constantine's able to dispatch that, and then... Uh, while Constantine is dealing with the man situation, soon after Papa Midnight himself uh, comes after Constantine, Constantine is able to outwit him and uh, injure him, and he's left there when the cops come and find the man and his other victims. He's like there laying on the floor waking up as the cops come. At the very end of the episode, the police are taking Papa Midnight off to jail after finding him at the crime scene, and we find out that it was Manny who put the bounty out on John Constantine, not the Bruguera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he was the right. Well, he said he took. He said that he was, you know, part of the rising. He said he was part of the rising darkness, mm-hmm. or or and uh, that he wanted to take the price off of Constantine's head that he had placed. Well, on. didn't he say the Brujera 
they work for him or they they that's right that's what he's yeah something that work for him right that's they're all part of the same yeah thing. and that's the way the episode ends with that giant he, cliffhanger of mm-hmm. he flies off yeah he flies off and then you know, there's a big cliffhanger of constantine's you know seemingly only ally being his greatest betrayer in a major way so i thought this is probably my favorite episode so far and I just it gets that kind of Jamie Delano Garth Ennis creepiness of Hellblazer comics yes. that mm-hmm. some of the episodes I mean some of the episodes have been scary and 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 they've all been good but this one has just had that overhead that just kind of like feeling of angst and dread that some of those comics had in, in the in Vertigo the Vertigo days that Delano and Ennis wrote and I really thought this episode like nailed that feel uh, more so than any of the others because fear is not alone like like the you can't. Fear can't be in all the episodes of being the only constant, but instead to have it that he did, like, you don't know what the man has done to these children to right. turn them into what they, wherever they are. Um, that's the stuff that just makes you feel just te- like you, 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 you feel that dread and, and that sense of urgency. Like you gotta, you gotta pretend, prevent this girl from being turned into whatever he's done to these, these other girls. Well, plus I love the way when they brought the redheaded girl to the house, right? Mm-hmm. That she was like in bed with them and in their bedroom or whatever, and uh, you know we see it through her eyes, and it doesn't look bad at all. You know, what I mean, a lot no, of no. stuff. And the only thing she even remarks about is the smell, and that mm-hmm. kind of stops them all for a minute. And then when Constantine comes to the exact same house, you know, there's like rotting corpses in the bed and exactly. <laughs> flies everywhere. Yeah. It, it was I, and it was so, I got this episode gave me such a visceral reaction that I could practically smell the rotting corpses out of the TV. I you mean, could. You, it you was just could. you. You take that, and this episode is also a perfect addition to the portfolio of Bear McCreary's work that says why he should score all television shows, because his score along with this in this episode just made it even creepier. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a really well done episode. It really went out on a high note, and I hope you know. I hope they realize that you know what they've got here. You know, if NBC does. And another thing I noticed about this episode: a lot more cigarette smoking. Yeah, I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not, but there was. I've been noticing that the last four or five episodes has yeah. so seen more and more and more. And yes, this episode quite a bit. Yeah. So just, did Zed though, because she said something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She said something. something they about made it part of the the dialogue. Yeah. So, Constantine, we hope we get to see you again, buddy. It's been a good run. It sure has. Now, if you had your preference, which one would you want? For NBC to go ahead with season two and announce that in May? Or for it to move to sci-fi? Which do you think would be beneficial? I, I would be cool if it moved to whatever place it's going to go to so that it would they could get started and keep it going. Like The, the, the main thing is you want to build a... Um, you want to you want to continue the momentum and you want to build that long story like they're they're building up to something big and i want them to be able to do it and if they have to constantly worry about when nbc is going to pull the plug i would rather they just go to another network and and go from there if i had my druthers i would have netflix take it because then it could be unrated Yes, Netflix would have the money to put uh, what I'd keep want. the production and they would the way get everything. They would they would get the full mm-hmm. something amount of episodes to do whatever they're going to do. And they would probably pay it for pay for the back thirteen that have already yes. aired. You know? Yes, I would. That would be my my preference. Would be to go to Netflix. I would prefer it. Well, maybe that's the reason for the whole wait till May for 
the decision because maybe they're in the process of while sci-fi is on the table, maybe they're in the process of, uh, you know, looking into Netflix and other things. So that would be, I'm with you, Jim. That would be my preference, Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or something like that. It just seems like those, especially Netflix and Amazon, are really looking for a lot of new content right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Netflix's CEO last week said something they were looking to put out, like 20 new shows this year. Yeah. Um, so if they're looking for content, this already has a ready-made built-in audience. It already has a first season done. You know, right. you already have a cast, a production crew, a producer, all those things in line. That you wouldn't have to like put together otherwise it almost seems like a no-brainer but i'm yeah, not the unfortunately i'm not the head of netflix yeah. well what can we do to make that happen jim deets for netflix president 2016. i'll tell you what escape from new york would be on netflix i'll tell you that much <laughs> escape from new york would be run it would be the first thing you see when you go on the netflix <laughs> website yeah, but i'm just happy with it being on there They've had Escape from L.A., but they've never shown Escape from. It LA. would be added to everyone's queue automatically. Like, no, I already, I know you must have forgot to to add this to your queue, so I'm going to do it for you. It's, be <laughs> it's like when added. you, like when you two released the album on iTunes and everybody automatically got it. Right, yeah, it'll be there. Escape to New York. <laughs> You're like, I don't remember adding Escape from New York to my. All right, whatever. How did our four year old's queue get <laughs> Escape, Escape from New York? From New York. <laughs> Why are you watching Escape from New York? <laughs> But Constantine, again, I thought I went on a high note. I hope we get to see more, especially with this cast. Yeah, me too. I think it's, I mean, I think Matt Ryan is just so well cast. I like the, I like Zed, I like Chaz. I just like the way they work together. It's good stuff. Let's move on to Gotham and the circus is in town, everybody. Oh yeah. This is the sixteenth uh, episode. It's called the Blind Fortune Teller. Uh, we, uh, Barbara Keen returns to Gotham and discovers Ivy and Selena living in her apartment. And decide to, to get, let them give her a makeover. And how dare you think Jim is sitting out waiting for you? I know. Really? And I, you know, Cat's like, he dropped his keys off for like a week ago. I mean, <laughs> like, you've been gone for like a, longer than a month, no calls or nothing. And you've been, you know, hugging up and whatnot with other women and doing your thing. And you, like, really? You expecting to just be sitting around waiting? You know what, homie? Get over it. Just don't, hopefully, I, uh, one of our one of our listeners wrote in that uh, we'll talk about later in the Facebook comments that hopefully she'll just walk right off the show after she walked off the end of this episode. All she, all I, I mean, it'd be funny if she. I would love if she wasn't even the mother of Barbara Gordon. Like, well, or no? Oh, me too. That. Me too. I would love it if she wasn't. If he wasn't the father, the biological father, and she went off. You know what? I'm doing it in my head. She goes off, doesn't come back. All of a sudden, I, maybe season three, there's an infant at his door. Or there's a little girl at his door with a note impl implying it's, it's it's. And even if it's a redhead and he knows it's not his kid, Jim Gordon is going to raise that kid no matter what because he's just that good a guy. Yeah. I, that would be great, but that also then leaves out the, the later coming of uh, Jim Jr., I want to see Jim Jr. No, Jim Jr. could be. Uh, what if he stays with Tompkins? What if he stays with Tompkins, and they have a child, and that winds yeah, up being their child. Yeah, but it's, it's obvious that Jim Jr. gets his craziness from Barbara Senior. Yeah, but that's for another universe. We're talking about yeah. this one. This is. I know. This is, I know. This is Earth. Earth G. Right. Like, <laughs> get away from all the other. Like, what you know. I'm talking about. What if this is what happened? And what if Thompson finds out about Bruce being Batman, but doesn't tell Gordon, like years later? 
Uh, I would love stuff like that. What if Tompkins has uh, Gordon's baby and that drives a wedge between them? That's why they weren't together for. Why a have they not months. hired us into the writers' room? What? Oh, they should they should? They'll they'll realize their mistakes soon enough. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a, I always have to remind myself this is Earth G. You know, I just got that multiversity guidebook. Right. I mean, they don't all... have to follow that. Like they yeah. don't have to follow exactly. that line. They've already they've already like established this is not. Cannons. I mean, Barbara Barbara Gordon is 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 had an affair with another woman. Like that's already telling you. Listen, Selena Kyle was not... at the killing of the Wayne parent of the right, Wayne. Right, right, right. This is not. Oh the... no, I I get it. I'm just saying, you know, that's my wishful thinking because I like the character of Jim Jr. Ever since I like uh, Jim. Scott yeah. Snyder wrote that like four or six mini arc in. Uh, Detective Comics a few years ago, the year before the new Fifty Two launched, when he wrote that thing and uh, with Jim Junior. I mean, one, that's when I first became a Scott Snyder fan, but two, that's when I became a Jim Junior fan. That character has so many layers to it, and so much fun has been done with the character. I'm just hoping oh, to see you, some I, hint to him. You know, I love it, but you can. There's so many ways you can have a Jim Junior. You can or switch it and have Jim Junior be. The biological father of Jim and Barbara, they hook up, and have Barbara be the daughter of uh, of uh, him in essence. I mean, like I said, it's their own. It's the thing we have on, that happens on the Walking Dead TV podcast too. I mean, it's a different continuity. Yeah. Um, I mean, we might get different, make it similar things happening. Like we'll talk later about how this sets into motion. You know, big things in the. You know, traditional mm-hmm. Batman universe, but I mean, overall, it's a different story. It's a different landscape, and they can tell whatever story they want. And I'm kind of right. glad for that. I mean, I would hate it if you know, no, it said in you know, Detective Comics number forty-eight, the Oswald Cobblepot was left-handed. You know, that I'm like I don't care. Tell a good story. You know. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I'm just saying wishful thinking. Right. So. We uh, we also go back to Fish Mooney. Unfortunately, she's planning to save herself, and she kind of rallies the prisoners around her. And they discover the reason they've been kidnapped is they're being harvested for their organs, <clears throat> which is why that woman came back with no eyes. Right, and that explains quite a bit. So she kind of is is mobilizing them, and is kind of uh, um, she talks about the concept of family and is trying to like you know bring them all in uh, under her uh, rule, of course. Um, a snake dancer at Hilly Circus is murdered. James, Jim Gordon and Leslie Tompkins are at the circus. While, th- while the, um, the circus is going on, the Flying Graysons are performing and then coming off the stage. While the Lloyds, who are the clowns of the circus, are coming on. And they start a big fight. I mean, there's a huge dust-up. I guess there's been a feud between the Graysons and the Lloyds for a long, long time. Uh, over you know one of them stealing a horse like back in the day or whatever. It turns out the woman who was killed were, uh, had... Uh, one of the Graysons and one of the Lloyds as uh, her What a lover. way to find the body, Jim. Right. He, they don't know where to find her body. She's missing. James Gordon meets his uh, her son, named Jerome, tells him to let loose the snake, and the snake leads them directly to her dead body in the back of a truck. While the investigation is going on, an old psychic named Paul Cicero, played by Mark Margolis, who just played Felix Faust in uh, Constantine, the other in the, not last episode, but the episode before, uh, also known, of course, for Breaking Bad, great character actor, and he uh, gives uh, Gordon a cryptic kind of cryptic clue. Gordon isn't really having it though; he's kind of thinking that he's trying to cover up for the killer. Uh, that's the only way that he would uh, know, you know, to give him these vague hints and clues. He also finds a red herring clue where the the, the psychic leads him. Then he realizes that um, the only one who could have killed him or killed the snake charmer would have been his, her son. Jerome. He brings Cicero and Jerome into an interrogation room. 
through some actions of Jerome, we are led to believe that he could possibly be the Joker. I guess he has the, yeah. the he definitely had the laugh, the maniacal face. Yeah, I think um, they wanted us to think that. Yeah, well, and also a Joker. Mm-hmm. A couple of little production notes I, I found were that Jerome is what well, he was named Jerome after uh, Jerome or Jerry Robinson, who was the first to the. No, he created first, the Joker. Oh well, yeah. Jerry Robinson. I, I actually saw Jerry Robinson a couple of years ago at the Tunesium speak right before he passed away. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. He created he created the Joker and a bunch of other great concepts from Batman. But anyway. and another note on there was that Cicero was a play on Caesar Romero. Oh, ah. name. So Jerome has almost all the letter, has almost all the letters of the word Joker in it too. Yeah, so I don't think he is Joker, but I think they're playing. They're having fun with. Yeah. Him. I'm wondering if this is that red herring they were talking about early in the run. That well, they this has been one of them. Is that well, yeah. It's been a bunch. It's been a bunch. But they said them. there would be several red herrings, but right. I wonder if this right. is like the ultimate red herring or if it truly is. Because I really didn't think we'd see anything of Joker till like the last episode of the se- season. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't think so either. But he has a psychotic breakdown and confesses to the murder. Uh, claims to claims to have hated his mother for her insistent nagging. Good job, though. The, 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 yeah, well acted. And we also found out the old the old second oh, yeah. Paul Cicero was his dad, and that's why he was covering for him. He was his biological father. Evidently, his his mom was a bit promiscuous, so you almost got that Rorschach tinge to his origin too. Definitely. You know, the mom being being a, you know a prostitute and uh, you know him having to like share the trailer with her and stuff. So that you know that kind of tinge to this uh, proto Joker that happens to be who he right. is. Um, the unfortunately Oswald's is not doing very well. Uh, his club, uh, Zaz shows up, tells Cobblepot that uh, he needs some help running the club, and he brings in Butch, Fish's right hand man, was which crazy. was kind of a little bit of a shock right there. I was yeah. like, whoa, what? he was dead. <laughs> well, Oswald is definitely shocked too, but then no, Zaz re- explains to him that he's been quote working on him uh, for a week or so, and the audience that gave me chills. Yeah, like that gave me chills yeah. too. Like, what could you? What could Zaz have possibly done to this man to break him to the point of uh, he would do whatever joke, whatever the penguin tells him to do? Right, and and still like maintain enough that he's going to be able to help him run the club. Exactly. Like, what did you do to this? Yeah, guy? it was a line that Zaz or Oswald is also dubious, but then you know orders Butch to dance. Butch does a little dance or whatever. And then Zaz looks at him and says, I do good work. I still... Creepy. (laughs) Creepy and awesome. It was great. I I still make a prediction, though, that when that character, Butch, finally dies, he's going to sacrifice himself for Fish Mooney. Oh, yeah. He was, like, super loyal to her, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's going to break him out of it, and then he'll get killed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, after getting her makeover from Selena and Ivy, Barbara attempts to reunite with Jim Gordon, but she walks in while he's making out with Leslie. Mm-hmm. Neither of them see. Neither of them see. If you were kissing her, would you notice? No, my eyes are closed. I'm busy. Damn right. I'm busy kissing I, Marina Bacher, and I went. I love. I absolutely love that they turned this episode into a team up of Doctor Leslie Tompkins and Jim Gordon. Uh-huh. Like this was like a heart to heart type for old fans like us. This was like an episode of Heart to Heart. Where it's funny, like, though, because there's, <laughs> there's that scene after Jerome like has his break or whatever, uh-huh. where Leslie's kind of having some misgivings about how yeah. you know how um, brutal it is. But then she also says it's kind of thrilling. You know, it was so. just so cute, the, the chemistry they had, like when he was like, you're going to make me 
bring you, aren't you? Like, he's just like, this is not how we do this. I, you know, like, I'm the cop. I do this stuff. You, you know, you don't do this. This is, and she's making him kind of, and I think that's good in the relationship. I think that's good because it's making Jim think outside the box a lot more than Mm -hmm. he was. Like, it, it just, it just, I just loved it, man. I just had such a, I would, I could sit and watch those two solve cases. <laughs> like, just, that could yeah. be a show right there. Just those two. Be sci- like a uh, modern day Quincy where she's, where she's Quincy and he's the cop. Yeah. Also, though, I mean, you can tell that Gordon isn't quite sure how to handle it. You know what I mean? He seems he's a little thrown not, by not the fact all. that he's not used to keeping all. those two things separate and not mixing mm-hmm. them and. Right. That's definitely a major dynamic between the two. She of them well. sees things that he doesn't because of you know, like it's it's just the way they are, and they're both they're both very smart, and they both can read people very well, and because they have different experiences, she can see little things that he can, and he can see little things that she can, and he still gets to be a smart cop because of his experiences. There are things that he can call, like there's things he pointed out and called out that he knew because of being a cop. And there were things that she knew because of being a doctor and, and dealing with with patients and how they, he, she got them to talk to her and stuff like that. Like, it's it's something that I think Arrow needs to remember when they show police working with civilians. Yeah. Right. I think that there's a certain thing, a dynamic that they need to, I think they need to go back and, and kind of work on that, that Gotham seems to have down pretty well. This makes me want to note, too, on McKenzie's acting skills his performance every time he's interacting with her and she throws him off you know like it's outside the normal for him like you were saying is there you can see you can almost hear an inner monologue in his head just the way that he acts with his eyes during those scenes you know right like almost like he's breaking the fourth wall but he's not (laughs) you know like he's going can you believe this well i will say it's interesting i wasn't really i wasn't into the show he used to do uh, the teen show, but the deal with that show was the, the lead that he was. He was a streetwise kid, and and the girl that he winds up with is someone of a socialite in in a way. But she is someone that brings him out of his comfort zone. I think that was kind of what he it was supposed to be the deal with his character or whatever. His character is very uptight and and whatnot. And I think he kind of he he seems to be good at showing that, like like showing how uncomfortable he is. In, in situations yeah. with her. Yeah, they do have good chemistry together. I didn't watch him on the teen show he was on before. I did, this is my first... Uh, he was, what, on the OC? Is that the That's one? what it is, the OC, yeah. But um, I, I do like the chemistry they have together. I like the way they work together. And I agree, it is a good dynamic to have them uh, working on cases together. I hope they keep it up. It's, it's it cool. doesn't have to be every episode, but it's just, you know, sometimes it's cool that she could help him. Even when they're in, in home, they're at home or something, there's something that he could miss. Or something when he's doing a case and she could help him with. That right. would be kind of cool. Uh, young Bruce Wayne holds a board meeting at Wayne Enterprises. And this bothers vo- me. But go and, ahead. and voices concern to the executives that the company is involved with illegal activities. Yeah, and why does he just say, Hi, I'm going to paint a giant red target on myself. Yes, that's Since you killed me. my parents for, for finding out the secret, I'm going to let you know that I know the secret as that, well. Yeah, that like, was kind of weird. Yeah. Like, Alfred is smarter than... Like, you've shown us that Alfred is much smarter than this to let this go on. The only way I could see them doing this is, like, if they had blackmail material to get them not to do it. Like, they, like they're saying, 
Um, I thought that he was going to come out and be like, I have information that mm-hmm. on all of you. And if anything happens to me or to Bruce Wayne, it's automatically you're going to be uh, your info goes out to, to all the papers and all that kind of stuff. And and you will never try to keep me from this company when I become an adult because of the information that I have. Like, that's something I thought that they were going to do. Like, I thought they were finding stuff, doing, you know, looking behind the scenes, trying to right. trying to get, you know, info on all of them. And not just saying, I'm going to, you know, like, I'm coming after you when I get to be an adult. And I'm going to, you know, pretty much I'm going to get rid of you guys. Like, why the heck would you let that kid live? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've already killed his parents over the same thing. You know, now he's just saying, yeah. hey, I know the same thing my parents, you know, that you killed my parents for, so... Okay, yeah, well, bye. You know, he's already his life's already been threatened once when Copperhead came after him. Remember? Yeah. So why, like, why that, would, that why would he himself even more? Yeah, that that kind of bothered me too. Hmm. Um, John Grayson and Mary Lloyd get engaged at the end of the episode uh, after the dispute between the two families are resolved by the solving of the murder by Gordon. Mm-hmm. And for those who haven't figured out, those are the Robin's parents, <laughs> uh, Dick Grayson, the original Robin. Of course, those are his parents. Right. John Grayson and Mary Lloyd. And then finally we end up with uh, Fish Mooney, who uh, who ends up swapping herself for the lead captor of the prison, whose name is Thomas Schmidt, so she could go meet his boss. And she goes off to go meet the boss of the organ farm. Yes, Eartha Kitt leaves the place with the family, leaves the chain, exchanges uh, one with one of the head guards, I guess. Shocking walks. even to myself is I kind of liked her this week. I kind of liked what she was doing. Well, that over-the-top stuff works for that situation because yeah, that right. is an over-the-top right. situation. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just didn't work for me for being in the mafia. In the mafia, I, I can't see you being over-the-top like that because the, the whole thing with the mafia is not to draw attention to yourself. Like, right. not to be that, you know, not to stand out like that. Like, right. that that's... With, but in uh, Gotham, it really doesn't matter. I mean, but it's, it's Gotham, yeah. It's exactly. such a status quo. That, I mean, everybody knows that the Falcons and Maronis are, are run the uh, the city. It's kind of an open secret. Right. So, I mean, I, I didn't really have a problem with that. But I understand what you're saying. So, good episode, of Gotham. I thought. I got a lot. Of, I, I saw a lot of hate for this episode, but I didn't get it. I didn't. I don't understand either. I like the way the the uh, circus looked, like kind of old timey, but not really. I just I liked it all around. I liked the the stuff. The little bit with with Oswald and Zaz was great. Um, the murder. I, I think that a lot of the hate for this is kind of the the whole Joker thing. Like, is it a red herring, or is it supposed to actually be the Joker? And right. And they never said. They never said that that was the Joker. And the, the next episode is called the Red Hood. You know, not to spoil anything because I mean it's just the title of the episode. But I mean. Right. If you look in your know, regular DC continuity, the Red Hood is where the you know the original origin of the Joker came from. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Of course, that you know has a whole other history with it now with Jason Todd and whatnot. So. But yeah, another great great uh, or good episode of Gotham. Definitely, uh, I'm loving the Tompkins and Gordon stuff, and I uh, hope that continues. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Me too. Flash. Shall we move on to the Flash? Jump. Yes. Let's. The second part of the Firestorm story called Fallout, episode 14. It picks up right where the last episode left off. Uh, Barry and Keelan are at the uh, site of the explosion, but uh, Cisco isn't reading any radiation coming off of them at all. Finding this kind of curious, they rush back, and they've seen, uh, they found that uh, Ronnie and Dr. Stein are separated. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we see that General Eiling has noticed that this explosion has happened and is mobilizing a team to collect his Firestorm asset. 
as he refers to it. They take they take Ronnie and Stein back to the uh, back to Star Labs. Uh, Joe shows Barry the images from the night his mother was killed, and then Barry learns the truth that he's learned about a future version of himself uh, being there trying to save his mother. This gives Barry like almost a, like a little bit of a shadow of self doubt through the whole episode. Because yeah. now he's thinking that he failed already, you know. Barry does meet with, takes Dr. Stein home to his wife, and then talks to him about time travel, mm-hmm. which is setting up a lot of stuff that we're probably going to see in the next episode that we don't get for another month, by the way. God dang it. I just wanted to mention that we, yeah, we, we don't get another episode of The Flash till March 17th. Why, though? What is coming on? Well, it was the way the, it was the, way the episodes were ordered. Uh-huh. Like, they, they filmed, the, uh, the initial order was 13 episodes, and they filmed three more. And then uh-huh. they filmed the rest of the season after it was confirmed. So that's why uh, I okay, I got it's you. the way the season, the um, the shows were filmed. Okay, so I got it doesn't have anything to do with the not being popular or whatever. It's, it's just, a real reason why they're not why the break. Right. It was just uh, the the way the production broke down because the way the episodes were ordered. Uh, Wells visits General Island, who reveals that he knows that Barry Allen is the Flash, and he wants Firestorm in return. For letting him have his, letting him have Barry, you know, letting Barry run around being the Flash. Uh, Wells drugs Doctor Stein and gives him up to Eiling. Eiling uh, tortures him until Ronnie shows up to save him. I really liked the way Eiling was dealing with, uh, dealt with uh, Barry. Like he had these like boxes mm-hmm. he just threw up in the air. Like one had all these like nano spikes that yeah, were drawn that to his kinetic. Yeah, that were drawn to his kinetic energy. And then another one was like a, um, it was phosphorus. So he had to run to keep the oxygen from uh, igniting it. Uh, it. It was interesting. He had like this, like it was almost like a bag of tricks, you know. Also interesting that he has studied the superhumans well enough to know how to counteract them. You know what right. I mean? Um, of course, by the end of this episode, that's all moot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, something happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Ronnie yeah. and Doctor Stein are, are reunite mm-hmm. uh, to get out of Eiling's uh, clutches. Uh, they merge properly this time. Now they find out that they can come apart and together at will, pretty much. I now, love that. Now that they were able to merge properly with the, the um, quantum splicer, they were able to merge and separate on command. Uh, they decide to go to Pittsburgh, which I thought was awesome. I hope I see that. Not that far away that they can fly when, when Flash needs them. That's right. They can fly right. right in and help. Now, in the DC Universe, they have all the, the cities we have plus more, or... Because, I mean, I know they have Coast City and Star City, all these fictional cities, Gotham, Metropolis. Right. They have all these fictional cities, yet their universe has a Pittsburgh. Yeah, because some heroes <laughs> are from... Yeah, I know. Some I heroes... Cool, yeah, it is cool. Like, they mix it. Like, some heroes are from Detroit, and, you know, like, they mix it up with the Star That's City Detroit and all that. League, but, yeah. Yeah, but they still, they still keep those Which other cities. Unfortunately means in all the multi-universes that the Pittsburgh Steelers exist as well. So that's... Versus on infinite Pittsburghs. It is what it is. The quantum quantum Primani sandwich that holds it all together. I love the fact that... I love the part where, uh, you know, Firestorm says to Flash, you know, that's it, whatever. And they're like, let's go. And you see Firestorm flying out. And you see Flash running and they're both running towards the screen. Yeah, that was that was, that was so moment. cool. I know that was so awesome. And then the scene um, at the end when they leave and they merge, and they look at Caitlin and Stein's wife and they say, "We love you." 
Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, cool. That was a pretty good really moment. Yeah. Off. That was a nice Now, moment. imagine you got Arrow on the motorcycle. You got Flash running. You got Firestorm. Firestorm flying the overhead. Flying. The, the Adam riding on the Flash's shoulder. Yeah, yes. man. Just, <laughs> just imagine. And Felicity. Oh, Would you stop it? <laughs> not on the Justice League. Stop it. They decided to leave for uh, for Pittsburgh to stay ahead of Island and find out about their new right. powers. Yeah, they don't know about the organic transmutation stuff yet. Like, no, I, it, like we can learn. Funny too, if I remember correctly, in, in the Firestorm comic, it must have been the eighties or the nineties. It, it was set in Pittsburgh for a while, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. So that was a nice shout out to the comics as yeah, well. Yeah, they did. It was. As as usual, we get a cool stinger final scene for this episode. Eiling mm-hmm. um, is sitting in his office, and all of a sudden, is taken away in a, in a flash of uh, of super speed, and we are in the sewers with Eiling. And the reverse flash. And this is the first time we see Dr. Wells in the reverse flash suit with his uh, mask down. He pulls his mask down to show Eiling who it is. He says, Wells, what's going on here? And then he, uh, Wells says something, there's an old friend of yours that's here to see you. And I really like the way they did Grodd's telepathy. Eiling turns around, he hears the lumbering toward him, he says, oh, God. And you hear, like, in this, like, weirdly um, modulated voice, not God, Grodd. Which makes me think, I don't think he's going to be dead. I think that Grodd is going to take his mind over and send him back. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That makes sense. You got Clancy Brown, you got to use him, man. Why would you get rid of him? Unless, of course, you're Sleepy Hollow. scene also made me think of Superman 2 in the White House when, (laughs) not God, Zod. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I really like the mod. The, you know what? For for um, being CGI and being on a television budget, mm-hmm. thought it looked really good, dude. I thought it, it did. Out, had I... a little squeal, and then when I heard that voice, like all like yeah. rough and modulated, and like and and like with the weird effects on it and stuff, I just. Ah! I know, might it's... be mistaken, but I could have sworn that there was an arc where Grodd and and Reverse Flash worked together during the Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. Scott Collins run. Like, they teamed up a little bit to work together. Well, it's interesting that, like, Wells knows what's happened to Grodd and it's just let him go. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, he did. He totally let him go. I don't think he got test. out. I think he let him go. I yeah. I think he let yeah. him go on purpose. Yeah. I think so, too, because he pitied him for all the torturing that, that Island did to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And a cool little bit of, you know, um, justice here on, on Island. Uh, plus, it takes care of Eiling, you know, knowing that Barry is a Flash and all those kind of things. He probably communicated. He probably telepathically communicated with him, like, you know, you go here, and I, I already, I'm not going to hurt you. You can read my mind and what I, what my intentions are. So, interesting yeah. too that Wells is not possessed by Grodd, no. you know, nope. even though he knows that he's down there and stuff. I think they were talking telepathically. Little by little, as he grew in his in his powers, I think they were talking before he got out that cage. Well, he has to have known where Grodd was to mm-hmm. bring Eiling to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously, yeah. said, at least been keeping tabs on him. You know, right? Um, I just I, I love this episode again. I really I love the way they're portraying the DCU. I really do the characters of the DCU. I love this version of Firestorm. Um, I, I just, I, I, the Grodd has been great. Just, you know, I, I, I don't know. This show is just, we, have we had a bad episode yet, guys? Nope. No. Nope. I can't even I think of one. one. I had not had one that I had a complaint with. No. No. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, the closest I've had to complain is knowing, you know, wondering what's going to happen to all the guys down in the um, containment area. And but, taking uh, <laughs> the mask off. Like, I, my only complaint is him taking a mask off at bad times. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I well, that's how Eileen knows who he is. In this episode, yeah, but course, course, he, took it, he took his mask off to comfort Plastique when they took her. This I can understand. When he took it off of Girder, that bothered me. But when yeah. he takes it off of her, a, a person got killed in front of him for the first time. Like he he felt his first reaction was I you know like to try to help her, and I don't blame him for that. Like that's somebody gets shot in front of you. Another thing about this episode too was the whole firestorm just the way they merged and everything because as a longtime comic reader they they've always done a pretty good job of kind of giving you panels to to, to where you can imagine that merging and right. i felt that that the way i've always imagined it is how they portrayed it in the show i mean it just it was perfect and i like the way they're not doing uh, they're, instead of doing the floating head thing from the comic they just have like the kind of you know personalities merged and the voices you know talking to each other. I think that works a lot better. Um, I just I, I, lo- I love these portrayals. I mean, I I hope you know I hope and pray that Zack Snyder takes a book out of this, you know, uh, of what's going on here. Even though he's not using it as part of his continuity, just to you know to understand the way you build a universe and the way you make us care about these characters and stuff. I just okay, guys. Uh, so the Flash, another winner. No doubt. All right, let's go to you know what. You know what? I thought this was much improved this this week. I, I agree. agree with you. I I thought this episode truly kicked butt, and it's the first yeah. like kick butt episode we've had for a while too. I thought so. Yeah, and it explains an issue I had with with something we discussed earlier. When you mm-hmm. get to it, right, right. Oliver takes Thea to the island of Leon Yu for training. Uh, it's Merlin's idea, you know, that you know to kind of train her and 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 refer, you know to kind of. Get her in, in uh, you know, fighting shape for the oncoming onslaught from Rachel Ghoul. You know, Oliver, of course, has a lot of his past there on the island, as we know from having watched the show for as long as we have. Oliver's beginning to train Thea, and then they sleep out under the stars, and he has a night. Oliver dreams of Sarah and wakes up. He goes in to check. He goes into the Argus prison when Thea's not around to check uh, Slade Wilson, uh, Deathstroke, to see if he's still in there, you know, and everything is cool, but it's not. The guard is dead. Slade is missing. Uh, Oliver comes back to warn Thea uh, that, you know, Deathstroke is missing and explains to her that, you know, he he put him here. You know, <laughs> he kind of explains, right. you know, gives her the short version of Slade, you know, uh, of, of her, um, of uh, him imprisoning him there. Because that is the one that murdered his mother, I mean, in front of her. Right. Exactly. Yep. In front, so that, you know, that's that's a big deal for her. But I did, she looked more nat. She did look a lot better doing the sticks. Yeah. And... I like that. That is something where you see someone, you know, doing the sparring. She looks pretty good doing it. Like she can, you know, she. You can see she has been practicing. She just hasn't been throwing the, you know, trying to just do a little bit a month in advance. It looks like she's really been practicing with with those weapons, which I liked. I mean, I, I think that's a problem with Laurel that she, they need to really work with her on. She doesn't look as natural doing the, doing that type of scene. I like Ollie's response, though. You've learned all this in nine months? Yeah. I was saying, after they realize that Deathstroke is loose on the island, they go to Oliver immediately goes to uh, his father's grave, where he ha- has a gun stashed away. But Slade finds them there. They fight, and Slade overpowers them and captures them, leaves them in the same cell that they left him in. Batman's already prepared. Of course now, he has a gun. Right. Of course he has a gun stashed away somewhere. <laughs> Uh, this is the part I think where Oliver tells Thea they find they figure out that Merlin is the one who set this up, who who let Deathstroke out. Yeah. Um. So, you know, so to give Oliver back his killer instinct, as it were. Well, he called him. He gave him that that phone call before he had to break the phone. 
Oh, right. He gets the phone call. He finds out that Merlin set all this up. Oliver tells Thea the truth about her and Sarah. Right. She catches up. That's the big bombshell I was was working up to. Thea knows that she killed Sarah. She knows what a friggin' psycho Merlin is for setting (laughs) the stroke loose on her. I mean, I mean, it wasn't the fact that he wanted to kill all those thousands of people. I mean, that's no, no, that it's just magnet. No, but set Deathstroke free, and man, I'm pissed at you. Oh, you're crazy now. I'll never, I will never follow you. You're crazy. The uh, they're able to escape, but only because only by dislocating Thea's arm or, or dislocating cool. her shoulder, because Pretty it's cool. built for you know. Uh, Oliver realizes it's built for grown men, not for waifish mm-hmm. females. While while uh, Sarah still or Thea's still dealing with the truth about Sarah, Slade arrives. The three fight. Uh, Thea wounds Slade with a gun, and the way they cut that too was interesting because it looked like she was going to shoot him in the head, and then they I cut to sure black, would. and you heard the gunshot, and they went to commercial, and we come back, we found out she only wounded him, allowing them to put it, and that allows them to put him back in. The cell. I think we're really going to get a speedy now. Yep, it seems like they're putting her on the path to having to atone for Sarah's death. Like that, that will be her atonement. She will have to, you know, make right. up for that murder. We also have a pretty extended flashback sequence in this episode. Uh, Oliver and Maceo go to Sterling City um, to track down who in Queen Consolidate is working with China White to sell the drug, the virus that she has. Um, we get a look at Laurel when she's working for a corporate lawyer. We get a look at Tommy Merlin. Um, Theo when she's in her like, uh, drug-using days. <laughs> um, Oliver uh, decides to stalk his family while he's in Starling City, even though he's been told time and time again to leave a low profile and, and he would endanger yeah. his family, but he doesn't care. He goes to a party that Tommy Merlin is having where Thea and Laurel are, and uh, he finds the um, the um, he finds the drug dealer uh, that is uh, selling uh, uh, Thea drugs and kills him at the party. Well, we well we had the return of the neck crack because yeah, he did yeah. that the first episode. He did the neck crack the first episode. Right. right. When he gets captured, that drug dealer looked a lot like the DJ that died last episode. That's he looked what I just saw. like the DJ. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a second, is that? Wait, no, okay." <laughs> he didn't yeah, look. He yeah. didn't look like. He didn't look like the DJ. He looked just. Yeah, I was wondering if it was just me. I maybe all white no. people look alike to me or something. But <laughs> well, I think that all the time. But I think they put him in a like. It looked like they have a little thing where they to to have these little uh, skinny white guys. For the CW, and they put him in this little vat, and they just re- reproduce a clone. It looked just like <laughs> just like the Venture Brothers. Yeah, man, exactly like the Venture Brothers. They have a whole I'm bunch like... of cloning vats at the CW studio. Yeah. Give me another. Just girl. cut the hair. Just cut the hair. <laughs> That's all you got. Give do. me another skinny, greasy white guy. Okay. Yeah. Oliver leaves. Uh, leaves the um, the party. Um, we see uh, Captain Lance drunk off his ass, telling Laurel that you know she didn't make. She's not making a difference or whatever. I don't understand why they put that there, but his hairpiece looked terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oliver and Misio uh, go to the uh, the location of the buy, of China White's buy, and they're able to disrupt the proceedings. Oliver gets there just in time. Um, Oliver breaks in, and at the end of the episode, or, or near the end of the episode, Oliver breaks into his own house, he's wandering yeah, around, and then he gets uh, the video message from his father explaining the list of names. And encouraging Oliver to save the city that he could. You know, it really made me think. It just made me think that they're rushing Arrow this season. Was that at this time he was still in love with Laurel? They don't yeah. regard any of that. They disregard all of that. Yeah. He doesn't look at Laurel. He doesn't. Well, he like, kind of sees her. From, he's kind of sees her from a distance or whatever. He does, but the way that he was in love with Laurel at that point in time, 
Like that was what was keeping him alive. That was supposedly part of it. Like his family was part of it, but it was also Laurel. Made trying to make it up to Laurel, making that promise that if he got home, he would he would make it up to Laurel for what he did. Um, and to not have that in it at all, that makes you that that shows how you you just totally it looked like well, they didn't have time. There's that, and then I also found it kind of odd that he, that he has not met Felicity, and then he sees her during that time, which is fine, but then when it cuts back to him and he just has this knowing smile look on his face. He shouldn't, I don't know, that I've, should have been the look for somebody else, not for Felicity. Yeah, I just, I was like, wait a minute, he doesn't know Felicity at this point. Why would he and have that look? That's you know? my problem with this season is the, the one thing that I remember is when a, that kind of rubs me all a wrong way with a show is when they forget their own continuity sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah. not a major thing that kept me from enjoying the show, but I, but you can tell that in their hurry to do this, that they just totally just kind of disregarded part of their own continuity. And they yeah, go, I mean, and I, I, well, the, the thing is, the thing that's kind of bothersome is that they they embrace some parts of it, right? Like the, uh, Captain Lance and his alcohol problem, or exactly. you know, Thea doing drugs, exactly. the, you know, having a you know, bad girl mm-hmm. side, or whatever, you know. But then other parts, right. like you say, the whole thing with Laurel, they kind of, and the whole bit with Felicity, it just seemed kind of. To me, it's and you know, Richard, you're gonna hate that I'm gonna say this, but it seemed kind of shoehorned in just to have her on the show this episode. It was shoehorned because no, I, I mean, I and it, the only thing that what really bothered me about that whole sequence is that here's Waller saying, "Look, if you would contact anyone you know, if you bump into you know, mean anyone you know, they're gonna get killed. You know, we're gonna kill them. You know, right. um, and yet everywhere he goes, everywhere he and goes to Merlin's party. You know, they're capable no. that what she says that would happen." Yeah, I mean, he goes everywhere. You know, he like, there's even a scene, like, I give me one scene of him looking. Because he never, he didn't know that Tommy and, and, and her hooked up. Like, that was part, when they brought that season up, they didn't know that they had hooked up uh, at that time. So he should not have, like, all that stuff going on, it just, it just. I don't know. Just the, the way he looked at Tommy, I got it. Like that—that that was real. Like his friend, his friendship with Tommy, he did care about Tommy. But it was just he should have looked at Laurel differently than you shouldn't be looking at her with the eyes of where he is now, in the in the season. He should have looked right. at her in the eyes of the first season, which was he was in love with that girl. Yep. Speaking of Tommy, though, I did with that scene where he's seeing Tommy. Uh, you know, being overprotective of uh, Thea and talking, you know, and Thea and him are arguing. And then when Thea yells at him, you're not my brother. I thought that's kind of yeah. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> mm. He looked bulked up a little bit. I wonder what movie he's doing. Tommy looked a little bulked up, bulked up like he was uh, maybe he's doing some other show or something. I don't know. I haven't seen him in anything, but I don't know. I haven't heard of anything either. Um, we have a uh, we have a Facebook group. It's oddly enough called the DC TV podcast. And, well, who uh, named it that? I know it's confusing, isn't it? Because I mean, the name right. of the show is DC TV Podcast, and the name of the group is also DC TV Podcast. So I don't get it. It's so confusing. It. I know. Yeah. We have a lot of great people contribute. A lot of great uh, DC TV and movie news there. It's awesome. Uh, please join our group. We're running a contest right now. Whoever puts us over, what the It's All Connected guys have, and we're getting close. We're closing in on them. I think we're within 16. Gets a very special DC-themed prize based on whatever your favorite DC TV show is. 
So, having said all that, we had some really good comments from our listeners this week in the Facebook group. Robert Cooper uh, has some uh, notes about The Flash and Gotham. Uh, I've been really impressed by the CGI grad for The Flash. Pretty impressive. I agree. I mean, for a TV budget, mm-hmm. they've been, been yep, killing on that. Totally. Uh, Gotham continues to improve. Are we supposed to really think that's the Joker? I think it may be another red herring by the showrunners. We're getting the Red Hood next week. Um, I think we kind of agree with that, too, that it could be, couldn't yeah. be, but there have been a lot of, you know, possible jokers they're there. Playing with, yeah, they're playing with us, with with, with having potential jokers popping up. I enjoyed watching Barbara get her fragile psyche crushed at the end. Oh, Hopefully yes. she ran out of that locker room oh, yep. straight off the show. Yes, sir. Lori Grimes. Now, I... Lori Grimes. Th- wait, wait, let me finish. Lori Grimes thinks she's a poorly written character. <laughs> That's so true. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say was I almost expected her to just suddenly freak out and start claw clawing at Dr. Tompkins or something. I was I, worried. I, That's that what you wanted to happen. That. Yeah, you did. Well, no, actually, I think it would have been bad. I, I think it was good how they did it. I just, for some reason, I was expecting a cat fight to break out. I was worried they were going to go that route. Like, Jim was going to feel sorry for her. You know, they were going to plan that whole thing. Like, I hope she doesn't have an overdose. I hope she just leaves town and maybe comes back next season or something or whatever, like down the line. I don't, yeah, with a baby. I, but I really don't want uh, them to break up uh, Leslie. Yeah, I want them to go their own route. I don't want them to to have to feel like they have to get them together right now. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they put her away until next season and then she comes back with a baby. It could be, it might be yours, but, you, well, you know, Jim Gordon would, being the guy he is, would definitely raise that child, so. And the guy, like, he's either leave it with crazy, you know, drugged out Barbara or raise him himself. He would raise it himself. Yep. That's what kind of guy he is. Because, and he knows for, you know, firsthand how unstable Barbara is. So. Exactly. Uh, John Davis wrote in, am I the only one not enjoying Arrow? Maybe I need to put a few days between it and the flash before I watch. <laughs> I can understand your issues. Cause we've, we've talked about the issues with Arrow. I'd still will not, ne- I will never leave Arrow. I'm still, it was, it was the first really in the CW, um, thing of bringing these TV shows, these superhero TV shows back to T, you know, yep. back to TV again. So I would never leave it. I love it. But this season has just been a, has just not been as good as as it, other seasons have been. Yeah, well, been- and to your point about them rushing things, I wonder if they're rushing to just kind of very crudely but correct a bunch of stuff before the end of this season so that they can make it more in line with where they're going as a, quote, Justice League. Well, it does Next feel season. like... It, it does feel like to me that because they didn't realize how popular Flash would be for that network, you know, that superheroes could be that popular like that. Like, Flash is a superhero as you can get. And for it to be well-received as it, as it is, I think that that kind of made him go, damn, I need to scrap everything. He said it, you know, like he, a lot of the things that he had said in the beginning of the season of he was going to pull back from the metahumans, he was going to you know, uh, have it be a little bit more like a Nolan type of thing where everything was going to be a little, little bit, uh, what would I call it? Like, um, more realistic, more realistic and all that kind of stuff. And it feels like after they did that, you know, after the flash thing and then they did the crossover, his wording on things have really changed. Like it did. It, it really feels like he's like, I really, I didn't really think it through. Like what I wanted to do with the show, I didn't really think it through. 
that this could we could do this with this show and it would be all right. Like we can go meta human, we can do all this kind of stuff and have fun with it, and then the show still be uh, the way that the tone that he wanted it to be. So I think that it feels like they're trying to get this stuff done, like like you're saying, get it done, set it up so the next season. I'm not going to worry about if it has metahumans. Have metahumans. You're Batman. You're the Batman of this world. You can have Flash or maybe Firestorm comes through or, you know, like you can have those things happen in the show and they don't have to uh, feel like they have to apologize for it later on. I think something they've done that's been really, really smart, though, with the Flash and Arrow is even though, I mean, even though they're a shared universe or whatever, they, they're, you know, the tone is totally different for both shows. Exactly. And I mean, if they were too similar, I think then there'd really be. I mean, people already compare them qualitatively. You know, like we said, right. like you said in this thing here. You know, maybe I should wait a couple of days after I watch the Flash, because mm-hmm. you know, I'm naturally comparing it to Arrow. But um, I think it's been really smart of them to keep those shows, you know, close enough together that they could be in a shared universe, but far enough away that they're very different tonally. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a smart, smart move on their yeah. part. Sean Rogers, our friend from Louisiana, uh, not God, Grod. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Uh, it looks like my theory about Thea and Malcolm playing Oliver is unfounded now that Thea has been, or Oliver revealed to Thea that she killed Sarah. Yeah, unless they, you know, have gone a double double cross or something. Yeah, like another root of Naguru unreveals that she's the Joker's daughter. So I don't know. <laughs> sure. There's Why no not? more roots. I don't want no. I'm like I, I always roll my eyes when there's a root that makes you do something really bad yeah. up to a certain point and then makes you forget that you did the really bad thing. It's called the magical plot device root. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So it's like no plotus devices. Yeah. Uh, Corey Jackson from down in Texas. Four thoughts. Number one, Arrow was fracking awesome. This last episode I really liked. I agree. The return was a good episode. Good thing um, with the island. Two, Grodd is too cool for school. Yeah, no doubt. Um, three, why is Barbara still showing up on Gotham? You got me, pal. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> and four, we don't. if Constantine doesn't get renewed, at least it will be the great one and done of the season. That's true. I thought it went on a high yes. note. Definitely did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we and I finally get an answer to how are you going to have these people on the island in a prison and you don't go back to feed them or nothing? Right. It's August. Yeah, Argus, the magical yeah. making Argus. Because I really had a, co- a problem with that. I was like, wait a minute, how are you going to lock him on an island? You're not going to go back and forth. That's right. That's maybe was Argus is, and maybe Argus are the ones taking care of the people being held in the old reactor on Flash. We just don't know yet. Maybe Argus is like a super villain <laughs> uh, uh, jail catering company. Like they're actually well, food preparation. Yeah. You know, they get the catering yeah. uh, contracts for all the super villains. That could make sense. Sean Rogers also had another note about The Flash. Uh, the evolution of Firestorm this episode with the character being more in line with the comic version and the connection between Ronnie and Professor Stein. I didn't think they were going to go that way. With Island returning, we see that the military has been making weapons to stop and capture metahumans. And to finally see Wells in the reverse Flash costume was amazing, but it's not as epic as hearing Grodd speak or mentally project his voice. Right. Yeah, I definitely think he was mentally projecting. Um, it will be amazing. Maybe that will be how you get out of it. Is you have Grodd will talk through whoever human he chooses. Like that's how you get the, the the talking without having the talking gorilla. Right, right. You know, and how creepy would that be if having him, you know, talking through different people? 
Like I can talk through I can talk through Joe if I wanted to. I could talk through uh, you know, any any one of your friends. Right. Iris, like what can you do to me before or I can hurt you? Walk or, or it could, you know, walk Iris off a fifty story you know, top of a fifty story building. Yeah. And imagine Mind control, a, dude. Imagine if they do it like they have Grodd use Island to get all those weapons to take out metahumans and next next season we got a Justice League per se arrow on all of them and they have to take out an army equipped with all the those weapons that can or, take them out. Or I'm in, let's write it. Or General or General Island comes back controlled by Grodd and decides to take care of uh, Central City's metahuman problem with a certain squad that's prone to suicide. Well, imagine if the Suicide mm-hmm. Squad had to team up to take to, to do the opposite. would have to take out the Eiling and the rest of them. Because yeah, yeah. Rod would want to kill all humans. I mean, he wouldn't right. care. Right. And, or they, or, they, you would, or maybe you have Flash on one side with Firestorm and, and, and maybe whoever they might add next season. And then you have Arrow with, you know, with Diggle leading the, the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. On the other side. And they both have to deal with this threat. Like, it's that big. That'd be awesome. Arrow, you know, you also note about Arrow. Uh, this is the one time I have to say that the flashbacks were the best part of the episode. With Oliver seeing that Thea had a drug problem and killing her supplier. Learning of the book from a video his father left for him in case he died. Saying that it was up to Oliver to save the city. Seeing Detective Lance on the wagon because of Sarah's death. The first one. So it's in quotes. Uh, the beginning of Laurel and Tommy's relationship and learning who Walker's, or Waller's boss was. That was cool to see Mark Singer as uh, Shreve at the end there. Oh, um, yeah, it was. Not to go too much of a tangent, but I got to meet Mark Singer probably about six or seven years ago at the Pittsburgh Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Nicest guy in the world. He just he posed for pictures without charging for them. Uh, he sold his book. He was super That's nice, cool. really cool guy. Um, it was cool That's to see him cool. at the end of this. I'm sure he's going to be you know, a bigger, he... bigger player going forward in the, in the show. He did beat the aliens back. He did save the world. Many he times. did. He did. And he talks to animals. And he talks to animals. Yes. So, I mean, you can't you can't just shrug that off. <laughs> must Jason. be acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Ritter wrote in, uh, do you think Barbara would give a piece of her hair and tell him to leave her alone? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't... Uh, crazy. Well, it sounds like Barbara... You know, Flipping out. Would go nuts. Yeah, if she would go nutsy. Yeah, I could see that. I uh, just want Barbara to leave. Yeah, me too. Go away from Leave go town. Away. Go away. I can't. I can't miss you if you don't go away, right? But I mean, I wouldn't mind the. I wouldn't mind her. You know, if they appear. You know, every now and then they show her hooking up with other women. I mean, that would. I'm on board. <laughs> I second that motion. I wouldn't She's mind those single guys. I'm telling you, man. I I'm so horrible. I know. Jason Ritter also asked, uh, also, do you think that kid is the Joker or the Red Hood gang really the Joker's origin? There will be no Who knows? revelation of the Joker's origin, I don't think. I just think no. that they're going to play with it, though. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna make some hints and subtle stuff like they have already, but I don't think they're going to go full out Joker. Me either. Uh, Joseph Gaines wrote in, Constantine, uh, so the rumor is the second season will happen. Even though I don't have cable, I hope it goes to sci-fi because it will die on NBC's Friday nights. Yeah, I kind of have to agree. I don't think it's a good spot for it. Nope, not at all. Um, Flash, telepathic gorilla? I'm definitely game. <laughs> Will the average viewer stick with such a bizarre character? 
I think if they do it the right way, they will. I mean, they're giving him his due as far as like uh, being scary and and a threat. So I think definitely that could. And work. I'll tell you, since this show has started up, I've talked to so many people who are not comic book fans. Um, they're ones that kind of give me little ribbing jokes about being such a nerd and all that stuff. Nothing about it, but they have just come in there like loving this show, and they're loving all the stuff to the point of. Now I'm the one they're asking questions about this with the comics and that and, you know, all the other things. So for this show to have been able to convert a lot of non-comic fans to people who are very interested in this character, I would say not a problem. Yeah, with a, a, ta- a telepathic gorilla. Call that the the Avengers effect. That's what happened after the Avengers movie came out. Like all my friends yeah. were like, what's a good yeah. Black Widow comic to read? She was so awesome. Or, you know. Who's yeah, I get that at work. Yeah, yeah. Who's that purple guy at the end, you know? Yeah, who's Ultron? I, I got yeah, that, right. too. Like, yeah, what yeah. is this guy? Is this, is this I think, you know, yep. like, stuff's well done, well made. People get interested in it. I mean, you know, oh. same, you know, good, good stuff. Uh, George Falco uh, rounds out our comments. Uh, despite the UG twist at the, at the end, I guess he's talking about the thing with Manny, I thought Constantine finished off on a high note. Uh, despite the showrunners... Still having trouble giving Chaz something. Mm. I don't know. I think that kind of puts a twist on the story. I mean, I didn't think it was... Uh, I don't know. It didn't make me go ugh. It just kind of made me no. want to know more. Oh, it made me go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it was more of a hubba why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's nothing in the comic that that relates to, right? With Manny? There have, been, there have been different, like, Fallen Angel characters in the comic as the story's gone along, but I don't think it's a specific storyline that they are referencing. Not that I can think Not of. Not that I can remember. If, uh, if a listener knows that I'm wrong, please post in the Facebook group and let me know, because I would, I would love to know. Yeah, because there's a lot of stories. And I, uh, over, it was, what, 300 issues on the original run, almost? Yeah, Something like that, because yeah. it's, it yeah. was like, it was one of the Vertigo launch books, if I'm not mistaken, and it Mm-hmm. Stayed in publication the whole time, so yeah, it sure did. Well, I've bought several of the uh, trades now. I just have they're on the stack of stuff to read. So sweet. Uh, we have some news to go over. Let's it talk is. about first of all my my wife's number one crush, the guy she'd probably leave me for if she had a chance. Uh, we got to see Jason Momoa as Aquaman. It is. And I like. I, it. I'm excited. I'm excited Very for majestic. Aquaman. I really, uh, yeah. Yeah, he really looked very majestic. He, he Reminds me of like the uh, the Ma- the Maori warriors of like New Zealand, like that part of the mm-hmm. world, like the the mm-hmm. tribal tattoos and stuff that he has on. Right. Um, it's really yeah, I like the look. I mean, if you're gonna make Aquaman a badass, go full badass. You know, no, you know, don't make any half measures. Yeah, this guy can walk around. He looks like a freaking superhero. I hate him. Plus, he he's looks gonna... like. Oh, yeah, go I was gonna say when when I'm I can't wait till he's on screen with. Uh, with Henry Cavill and uh, and uh, Ben Affleck, those are both like tall guys, but he's like another half a foot taller than them. So it'll be yeah. When they de- when they describe superheroes, you know, especially the the, the big seven uh, of DC superheroes, they always refer to them as the gods. You know, they're they're the godlike people because of their powers. They're so powerful. You know, run one runs the seven seas. One you know is a powerful. Superman, you know, the other one, they're all majestic and, and whatnot. So I to see these guys, Affleck, uh, Henry Cavill, and, and Momoa on screen, 
Like I'm just like, wow, it, it, they're going to look kind of tough. They look like they'd be able to kick somebody's behind if you see them walking together. Godot, she's not doesn't look as tough yet, but I haven't seen her. Yeah. Really, really seen her as super as Wonder Woman yet. Well, we will see her soon. Yeah, next, next year. Um, we've got a casting note for Supergirl. Uh, Laura Benante from Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Play Supergirl's mom. I'm not familiar with her, Daryl. I know that you watch Nashville. What can you tell me about her? Yeah, she plays. Uh, actually, right now she's playing an an abused. Uh, her husband is. She's left her boyfriend, and she's been horribly abused uh, over the years. And she's a, a singer. She's a Nashville uh, country singer star, and uh, so she's dealing with that. I think her character is going to wind up uh, either shooting, wind up killing her uh, abusive boyfriend, and that might be how she's off the show by next season. Mm. Because it looks like it'll be that way. So I, I think she won't be on the show next season. If the show even comes back. I don't even think Nashville's coming back next season, actually. No. I thought I heard it was canceled. His ratings have been, just been going down. It's time. I think it's time to call it. So I, I, I wasn't surprised when they said that they had her on it. Because I don't think, you know, I didn't think that show was coming back anyway. We also got a few pages that uh, supposedly leaked out that... Um, or between, or just a scene or whatever between Supergirl and her male version of Felicity on Arrow, mm-hmm. I guess. Or like her mm-hmm. her nerdy, uh, helpful next door neighbor is going to help her fight crime. Mm-hmm. Who knows her secret and stuff, but he's oh, like, he almost seems like and, a Cisco character. Right. And they way. do call, and I do like that they said for the mother, she's going to be on there, not every episode, but the mother is a very they they kind of they kind of compared her to how uh Jonathan Kent on Smallville was to to super you know Clark Kent back in that show right. and that's been the if any complaint Smallville has had I think the one of the things that no, that not many have ever complained about was the relationship be, between uh Clark Kent and his father Jonathan Kent so if that could be if they could form something like that and she can have a good relationship with her mother her adopted mother, I would say. I think that bodes well for the for the show because you need that. You need to you need to have someone that's a human, you know, human contact, and that's not what Supergirl had in the comic. Like she she didn't have parents. Um, she came in much later times, so she didn't have that growing up with a farm. You know, growing up on a farm with parents to raise her and and all that. It was actually Super Superman and Lois raised her actually. Hmm. They they helped her a lot. Like they they um, acclimated her to to being to being on Earth and and whatnot. So. so in the original like Silver Age continuity, she got put in the pod from Argo City, which was part of mm-hmm. Krypton that broke off right. uh, when she was a teenager. So when yeah. she arrived on Earth, she was already had already grown up a Kryptonian. And he had hit her for a longer time. She didn't make her debut. Till much later, it was right. uh, almost a year or so after she came to Earth that uh, Clark showed her how to use her abilities and stuff. Right. Before she made her debut as a superhero. Plus, she didn't she train in, in Themyscira with the Amazons for a while. Yeah, when they when they updated yep. it, they had it that she uh, trained with Themyscira, and then she was taken to uh, Apocalypse and trained by the Furies. Yeah, yeah. Against her will, but she was still trained by the Furies. Right, and then they had to go in and break her out. I remember that whole storyline. 
Uh, we got some cool stuff about the Suicide Squad this week because Will Smith and Margot Robbie, both in the Suicide Squad, are out there promoting their new movie, Focus. Can't wait to see that. Will, uh, Will Smith is saying about how interested he is about putting his imprint on Deadshot and being the definitive quote unquote Deadshot, you know, even though we've already had people play him. I guess somebody right. forgot to mention that to him, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, also, um, Jay Hernandez from uh, Friday Night Lights is going to be playing El Diablo. El Diablo. Uh, in the Suicide Squad movie, and that they're going, they, he, uh, the rumor is uh, not only is he going to be in a, in a cameo, but also we're going to see cameos of Killer Frost, Blockbuster, King Shark, and Livewire. All right. They're going to be oh, uh, they're going to be nice. confined. You know, they're going to be like confined in wherever they're going or whatever. So it'll be cool. To just, I mean, even if they're just like a cameo shot or whatever, that'll be awesome. Damn right, it'd be awesome. I'm so psyched for that movie. It's just everybody's like, "Oh, Batman, Superman." I'm like, "Hey, Suicide Squad." I agree. Just uh, to reiterate something I said before, Constantine has not officially been canceled. The official decision will not be made until May, according to NBC. Um, the NBC has made some early pickups, according to Daniel Cerrone, the producer. Constantine not canceled. We'll pitch them our plans for season two in May. Then they decide. So. We won't. I, we probably won't see anything more on the Constantine front until that time. Uh, Fox has greenlit the Lucifer TV series for a pilot. Psyched about that. That should be awesome. Yeah. I want to talk about some photos that we have up on the DCTV podcast site about um, the Arrow. So there's going to be some slight spoilers here. So three, two, one. Uh, we got some photos leaked from the set this week. Uh, by Colton Haynes, the guy who plays um, you know Red Arrow, Arsenal Roy, on the Arrow, of him dressed in the Green Arrow suit fighting uh, Stephen Amell, also dressed up as Green Arrow. Now they Instagram or tweet tweet picked or something later that that was a joke. Oh, they did. Somebody oh. did. One of them did. That it was you know just having fun with the audience or something like that. Oh, okay, because I thought Stephen Amell had tweeted and said that it wasn't a uh, um, a Vertigo thing, that it was, you know, he, he just said in his tweet that it wasn't, Vert- you know, it wasn't Vertigo induced. They better not lie to me. I don't like that. Mm. It's interesting. I, I don't know. It I mean, it could, it could play out that way. I'm, yeah, oh, yeah I have, have Chubb call Stephen. We work out a lot. We do. We work out at the same gym. Right. The same exercises and stuff. So. Right. Stephen Amell tweeted the picture. It says, this is not from this week's episode. And it does not involve vertigo, and it's the picture of the the two of them fighting. And then we uh, turn turns out the other guy in the picture is Colton Haynes, dressed also in the green suit. Well, they did Arrow say versus this Arrow. Thing. So um, this aligns with episode seventeen called "Suicidal Tendencies." I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just thought it was interesting that I mean, it could be a huge part of the story going toward the end of the season. You know. He already died. I mean, what else can they do, right? We're almost uh, about to put the cap on another episode of DCTV Podcast. If you are into geeky television, then by all means, I imagine you would be because it's an hour and a half podcast and we're getting near the end, uh, then by all means, go to hhwlod.com where we have all kinds of other great geeky podcasts and media for you. The HHWLOD Media Network. We have blogs. We have reviews. We have press releases and news. Also, we have some of the finest podcasts you could put inside your ear holes, uh, including the Walking Dead TV podcast. Following the Walking Dead TV show, we have It's All Connected, which covers the Marvel Studios output, including television and movies. I'm excited to listen to what uh, their take is on the upcoming Daredevil series. And also, Agent Carter's about to have a finale, right, next week? 
So definitely check that out if you're uh, watching, you know, Agent Carter and, and Agents of Shield and and the Marvel movies because they're all connected and that's what they're talking about. We have the Whedonverse cast over the uh, the Clairvoyant and Mister Universe every week are working their way chronologically through the work of Joss Whedon from the beginning all the way to the present day, and uh, it's it's pretty awesome if you're a Whedon head or if you're a fan of Buffy right now. They're going through I think the second season of Buffy. They're up to. Uh, we also have Out Now with Aaron and Abe that cover uh, movie reviews for all the latest movies out there and Blu-ray reviews and whatnot. And they have some really great guests and some really good shows. And they're going to be doing a special Oscar show coming up by the time this episode's out. So you definitely want to check that out. It's all available at hhwlod.com, the HHWLOD Media Network. And if you possibly could even deal with more podcasting and more content after all that mind-blowing amount of content there then by all means let me direct you to the taylor network of podcast.me because it's all about well, actually .com oh is it .com oh great yeah, you got the .com the taylor network of podcast.com uh with there are a whole spectrum of of podcasting goodness over there you've got no apologies which is the uh, the show that takes no prisoners about geek culture. You've got uh, Arts and Crap, which covers all your scone movies. The Comic uh, Rack Snark Fest. Uh, talking, uh, some ladies talking comics with our friend Daryl here. Um, it's all about Daryl Taylor. He's the tycoon. He's the mastermind. But it's a whole family of shows about all kinds of cool geeky topics. Plus there are, again, press releases, news, blogs, reviews, all kinds of content for you there. The Taylor Network of Podcast.com. Check it out. And gentlemen, thank you for joining me once again this evening for the DC TV podcast. And until next week, we are Ghost. Bye bye. Can't remember anything at all. Flame trees line the street. Blah.
often make me say Miley Cyrus floats in a swimming pool in Toluca Lake And you're the best girl I ever Thank you. Thank you.